So Jen, there was some unfortunate news out of Atlanta this last week. I know you heard about it. Everyone's heard about it. Yep. You know, we want to just send out our support for all of our Asian and Pacific Islander listeners, friends, family. Go to stopaapihate.org. Yep. That's a good place to go to look for resources and give back. Exactly. Welcome, all you animal enthusiasts. This is You're Gonna Die Out There. Hey, Jen. Hi, Megan. How's it going? Great. Here we are, episode 13. Wow. Lucky number 13, or is it unlucky? Glasses half full, half empty. Depends on which way you look at it. I think it can be lucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about some unlucky situations. Then it's unlucky today. In this particular episode. But it's also not Friday the 13th. It's Saturday the 13th. Saturday. Oh, that's right. Well, the 20th. But close enough. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so at least not awake yet. <laughs> uh, do we do we have any updates or corrections from our last episode? I, I oh, actually, wait a second. I do. Can I mention something real quick? Yes. So when you talk about like Friday the 13th, I just want to say that there was this movie I remember when I was younger called mm-hmm. Saturday the 14th. Did you ever watch that? No. It's like a really terrible, campy 80s horror movie, like a joke horror movie yeah i want to and i feel like because i was a latchkey kid and i was home all the time in front of the tv Uh that i watched it a lot on hbo like you just that particular movie yeah i I, (laughs) and i feel like now i want to watch it again just look it up saturday the 14th saturday the 14th you heard it here first folks let me see what (laughs) year is it like uh the leprechaun movies with uh what's her what's her name from friends is it like that kind of level campy? Or is it like Clowns from Outer Space? Also a horrible movie. It is. It's, oh, I think they, did they, no, did they do a remake? Jen. Stop it. After this, we're going to watch both Hold on. back to Hold back. On. <laughs> Hold on. I got to, I got to see because, I mean, why remake that movie? Well, maybe somebody just enjoyed it as much as I did as a kid. So it was a 1981 oh. comedy <laughs> and yeah, it was, I don't know, here, let me just show you the picture. Get you. Whoa. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff I was watching in 1980s. That's good. Is that a vampire with a green face? Yes, it is. Well, I think he's like, he looks like he's part vampire and part some sort of like creature from the Black Lagoon or something. Oh, like with the gills on the side or something? Yeah, yeah. So an all-American family inherits a deceased uncle's house. Madness ensues. <laughs> I just threw that in there. Um, he finds a mysterious book, of course. There's always the mysterious book in yes. all the 80s, like campy. Isn't like a mysterious book in Evil Dead or something, too? Oh, is there? I, I just don't... remember the mysterious chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, so th- crazy things happen, like eyes appear in the coffee and um, oh. sandwiches are mysteriously eaten. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. That is crazy. Anyway, it looks like somehow they did a remake of this or there's another movie called Saturday the 14th. And that one is half a rating, 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's got to be good. I think anything that's 10% on Rotten Tomatoes is an automatic watch for me. Just so you know, those things are stuck in my brain. 
from the 80s. How that, that? And <laughs> you take the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and there you have the facts of life. That, that one. Facts of life. Every 80s sitcom jingle is locked. Stuck in your head. It's locked in there. Locked and loaded. Like, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can sing you most of the jingles from any sitcom. That's called Being Home a Lot by Myself <laughs> Watching TV. <laughs> That's, I feel like that's kind of a dream, though. That's, that's like great. a Gen X thing. Like, that's just sure. what we did. That's how we were raised. We were raised by Facts of Life. <laughs> you know, like... And uh, the Brady Bunch reruns? Brady Bunch reruns, um, one day at a time. This is what we got going for us. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got... We, we went down that road. I took us down that road. That was a great road. You're welcome. So what were you asking me? Something about news and updates? Updates or corrections, but I was going to say that. So I edit all of our stuff before we put it out. Bless her soul. (laughs) And I don't know what was going on. There are many things that I meant to cut and whatever, but I I cut those three, four, was it four stories? There were three stories that she said lasted 30 minutes. And I was like, I don't remember talking that long (laughs) about those three stories. And... She left in like a super long story about her Easter <laughs> mishap. Easter and I was like, well, so you left in your whole Easter story, but then you cut out my story. Which is relevant to the full story, the episode. And I was like, yeah, it was I part of it. I was like, I swear you talked for 25 minutes. And what happened, I <laughs> have this, I have many, and really it's just an organizational issue and staying up mm-hmm. too late because... Mm-hmm. Everyone should know that I, I need at least eight hours of sleep. Yeah, she was having some sleepy brain issues. I was running on not eight hours of sleep for no. like three days. And mm-hmm. I'm editing this episode. Mm-hmm. I pulled those stories because I was like, oh, a little bit fatigued from the story. So I was like, let me just pull these stories. And I put them in. And but you outtake. were just fatigued. I was just fatigued. Right. Yeah. And so and I pulled them out and I put them in this other file for outtakes. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that it wasn't that episode's outtakes. It was like all the outtakes that I've been collecting. Right. Which is like 25 minutes long. Right. Worth of outtakes. So I was like, man, she talked for a long time. And I was like, Jen, I cut those those last stories like and I was 30 like, minutes. I remember I was driving and we were talking. I was like, I just don't think. She's crazy. I don't think that's right, Megan. But What's I, wrong I, with her? But I appreciate so much that you do the editing that I really didn't. I didn't want to like <laughs> give you a hard time. I was like, but well, okay, whatever you think. But I guess because I'm glad you <laughs> do the editing and not me, but still. Once I figured out what I had done, I was like, Jen. Also, I meant to cut most of that Easter story and didn't. I mean, the Easter story is pretty good. It's pretty good. but It's pretty funny. It was long. If you already had listened to it before, I think the 17th, go back and listen again because I added in those stories. And if you did finish it, you don't want to listen to the whole episode. It was six minutes long. Well, and that's with like our little jingly thing at the front and the end. So it's like less than, it's like five five minutes. Yeah, it's five (laughs) minutes. I was like, really? But thank so, you. Thank you for adding it back in. Yeah. Thank you for editing I was, our episodes. I, I am bad. truly grateful for that. So I think that was the only like update or correction. Megan, thank you for that. But I think there's some bigger news we need to share. And we've just been bleebity blonde talking and we haven't gotten to the real juicy stuff here, which is that we started a Patreon. Oh, that's right. Oh, you forgot? It was like two days ago. <laughs> it was two days ago. And we recorded a thing that I need to also post up about why we started the Patreon so people can, you know, but we did. We did start a Patreon and it is up on our website, the link, if you want to become a, a level of, you know, nature nerd. You too can be a nature nerd 
And you can be, you can have your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD, your postdoc, or you can have emeritus status. I'm part of different Patreons for different podcasts because mm-hmm. I like to support the podcast world. But you know, as you know, there's different tiers Levels. and you get more bang for your buck, I guess, as you donate more. It's going to help out. We'll get some uh, better equipment, probably be able to produce more shows, more episodes. For sure. Go take a look at our website, click on the Patreon uh, link, and it'll take you there and then you can have a look. And if, you, if you'd like to participate in our Patreon, we'd be truly grateful. Forever and ever. Have a little look-see. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to take some of whatever we earn from this Patreon and put it towards uh, conservation efforts. Oh, yeah. That's a big part of it. Go take a go take a gander. If you can be part of it, it'll be a lot of fun to have you guys. That's one of our Patreons. And we had some listeners ask us about it. So yeah, we were kind of hesitant to do it, actually. But we thought, well, let's why just, not? Why not? Let's do this thing. And then next week, we're going to start our OnlyFans, right? Is that no? <laughs> what's only fans <laughs> oh god <laughs> i explained only fans to jen a couple days ago i'm not i made a joke and she was like what is only fans and i was like jen let me tell know? you i think that's oh, your people know your millennial side that you know these things maybe and i don't know these things um because i'm keep on up. i'm the, i'm on the cusp of gen x and millennial right i but like to call myself a zennial but you're People don't recognize that so much, though. She explained it to me, and I was like, really? Oh, I did want to update everybody on Jen's amazing social media skills. The last week doubled our Instagram followers. And we... And Twitter. Twitter, we like sixfold. Sixfold. But I got us cut out of Twitter for a few days. You got us banned. I think it was only a few hours, (laughs) but I kind of got in trouble. Well, so I... (laughs) <laughs> don't know what I'm doing, but I was just like, oh, wow, let me follow all these people because they're so cool. All these conservation sites and yes. other podcasts uh-huh. and I mean, all truly relevant stuff like women in science. I was just going after like, hey, like, yeah, this STEM, is so cool. Yeah. This is awesome. And I was like following all these people. Mm-hmm. And then it was like I clicked the follow button and it wouldn't turn blue. And then I got a message that was like, excuse me, ma'am, <laughs> you have exceeded your, you, I guess, so I didn't know you have to have a certain number of people following you mm-hmm. to keep following other people, which I think is just so, that's so lame. That's silly. Like if I want to follow somebody, Twitter, can I not? Because they're cool. And I think that <laughs> we should follow them. Well, they don't want losers following them. And apparently. it's not like a thousand. I mean, it wasn't, you know, yeah, an yeah. insane amount. Fortunately, some people started following us back. Cool. And then I was able to follow a few more. <laughs> We're still at that off ratio. So I guess the more followers we get on Twitter, the more I can follow other people. So those are those out there who um, have followed us and I haven't followed you back, it's not my fault. I want to. <laughs> and it's really unfair that what Twitter mm-hmm. has done. So I tried to go and unfollow some things that I was like, well, okay, fine. I'll unfollow some of these, you know, like conservation organizations that, you know, I kind of went a little nutso over. Sure, sure. Um, And so I unfollowed a few and I was like, I'll be back later. Don't worry. I'll follow you later Mm -hmm. when the Twitter lets me. And then it still didn't like let me follow that many people. Then it was like full on banned, right? Wasn't it like you can't. Then I got a message that's like, you cannot do anything on Twitter for Mm -hmm. like three days. I thought I said three days, but then like later that day, but then we've still been able to do stuff. We did some retweeting. There were things that happened. Some replies. Just tried it out. 
And it totally works. I don't know. I think they were just, it was like a little slap on the wrist. I mean, I got a little overzealous. <laughs> now I'm backing off a bit. I did the same thing on Instagram, but not so, not so much. And then, and then you were like, I might make my own personal Twitter. And I was like, oh my God, Jen, I, what has happened? You, I've created a monster. Yes. Because <laughs> I, you know, because for us, we do get involved in social issues, but not so much on the political side of things. So I was thinking to start my own so I can be like, and then bloop, 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 and say what I want to <laughs> say about Marjorie Taylor Greene. All the things. Yes. <laughs> so I kind of, mm. um, I'm considering it. I love that you're considering it. But then again, I have two small kids and I don't need to be on social media that much. Constantly. Yeah. So you're be like, mom, why do you care more about your Twitter than us? Right. I don't want to be like that. So I'm, I'm just kind of debating it now. I'm gonna give it some time and some thought. Thanks for mentioning how, you know, how, how I'm, I'm honing in on my social media skills. <laughs> your social media guru. Right now, also, one last thing. We're running a contest, and we're going to talk about how you enter that contest at the end of this episode. So make sure you listen all the way through. Listen, because we're doing a giveaway, like a free, yeah. you get something for free giveaway. Free. So, and then you get to be entered in a contest. But we'll sit, we'll talk about it at the end. Yeah. But if you need to know right now and you just can't wait while you're listening to us, you can go to our Instagram and check it out. Is there anything that you would like? I know you might have something to share with us that's new in science. So, okay. So as you know, we like to have a new in science section Mm -hmm. um, before we get into our main story, just so, you know, you guys are keeping up on what's going on in the world. And I found an article that just came out um, in Science News a day ago. It's very relevant for our last episode. Oh, cool. To our last episode. Yeah. So it is about bonobos. So we're talking about apes again. So the last episode, if you haven't listened, was about chimpanzees. And it's super crazy. So if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to it. Do it. Because that was a lot. Just let me say. The last episode, I think when I was listening to it after I got to when I was at the end, I could tell my voice was kind of like, and I was just like, it was exhausting to talk about. I had like story fatigue at the end, because it was just a lot of stuff. One of the things I talked about is that chimpanzees and apes live in their own communities. And they don't usually there's usually fighting between communities. But bonobos are actually a little more friendly, and they tend to get along with other communities a little better. They're just a little more chill. Yeah, yeah. And so there's been some research, of course, in this is I think it's Luo, L-U-O, Scientific Reserve in Congo. They've been following a family or a group of bonobos there. And for the first time ever, they documented two females from one community community adopting two orphans from another community. Oh, random. Yeah. And so they have never seen this. So there's two, it looks like two different groups each took an infant. Hmm. And one of them already was taking care of two babies. It seems like one was her own and another's she got from within their group. And then she adopted this less, like younger than three-year-old little orphan. And there's a really sweet picture. She's still producing milk because she's, you know, has the other infant. And she's, so she's mm-hmm. taking care of all three. Oh, my God. So the, one of the researchers said she looks real tired, but <laughs> she's being a great mother. <laughs> she, she looks real tired. I, I know that look. Sure. I, I carry that look around with me probably like 98% of the time. The other 2%, I'm just highly caffeinated and I seem okay. But mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is from one of the researchers out of the Kyoto University in Japan has been, you know, studying this. So another one of the mothers is in her 50s. 
Mm. And that's pretty old for an ape, a bonobo, right? So, and she isn't producing milk, but she's still taking care of the bait, this other orphan. And they say it's, you know, they've, it's the first time it's ever documented, but they say it can be beneficial because it kind of gives them that link to the other groups. Right. So, and it's kind of like a protective thing, but chimpanzees usually, if they have, if they see infants from another community or group, they'll just like eat them. Yeah, rip their face off <laughs> and their hands and murder them, and you yeah. know instantly. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say, well, bonobos sound just cooler. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool that you know they're still following this. So if you're interested, check it out on Science News. I think that's all we have in um, that's new in science. All of our updates and corrections. All the things. And then we're going to get to the story. Story time. I'm I'm excited. I can't wait because I know I know what you're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that like the last episode that I talked about with the chimpanzee story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was one of those stories that just lives rent free in my brain. Yes. And that is uh, exactly how I feel about this. Yes. Story. This is your story. <laughs> and we did like we talked about it in the beginning that we didn't want to do them right off the bat. We were going to yeah. wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to hear you tell the story because <laughs> this is your story. Yeah, I am also kind of stoked about this story. Today, Jen, as you know, we're going to talk about grizzly bears. Great. Fun. They're big. Brown coastal bears. They're hairy. They're scary. They're, they're a little bit scary. They got that hump on their back. But which they're is like super cool. Muscle makes them like more uh, mm-hmm. fierce and powerful. I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on grizzly bears. And then we're going to talk about that rent-free story. That right. living in your head, rent yes. free. Yes, that thing. Right. <laughs> Look at you up on all this lingo now. I just don't. Look, I'm really into the social media now. I'm like, yeah. I'm like a what do they call them? A social media guru. No, what is it that people that that's what they do? Oh, like a like a consultant. No, like a <laughs> what is oh it? influencer. I'm like a I'm like an influencer now. <laughs> you are. Right. Can I ho- you hopefully I won't get, get a, I won't get us banned from Twitter. I hope not. All right. So for this story, I'm going to tell you the the places that I got my information for the first part, okay. and then we'll get to the story part. I'll tell you where I got information for that part. Got it. All right. Background on grizzly bears. Uh, I actually was like, I don't want to read the Wikipedia. It's just like a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, but National Geographic, thank you, National Geographic, actually has a facts sheet. On grizzly bears. And I was like, that's perfect. I just want them something short. Always thank you basics. to National Geographic. Oh, just God. And the pictures. So yes. good. So their common name is grizzly bears. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Uh, their scientific name is Ursus Arctus Horribilis. What? Because they are considered... Oh, horribilis. <laughs> horribilis. Um, they are mammals. Uh, they're omnivores. They eat lots of stuff. We learned that in your last episode, we talked about omnivores. Right. In case people weren't right. sure. I love it. That's a lot of a lot of science happening right now. A lot of right. learning. Right. A lot okay. of learning. Go. Uh, they live about 25 years and they will grow to about five to eight feet tall. And they will weigh up to one, uh, 100, 800 pounds. I was like 100 pounds. <laughs> they're like super skinny, eight foot tall, 100 pounds. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Close enough. Okay. Uh, yeah, 800 pounds. That's that's a big bear. Eight feet tall, 800 pounds. Can you imagine? 
Oh, I would just, I mean, you would just see your, you would have your life flash before your, if you had time, (laughs) time. and then you would just be mauled. It's true, if you had time, because they can actually run up to 30 miles an hour on land. Jesus. And they're huge. I mean, yeah, yeah, nope. Can bear spray help you in that situation? Absolutely. We will talk about bear spray. Okay. Definitely. (laughs) Because I... I know my husband went to Alaska. I mentioned that in another episode, mm-hmm. and it was mandatory to carry the bear spray. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. This grizzlies are actually a subspecies of the North American brown bear. They're usually brown. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, makes sense. But they can have like kind of white tipped fur, and it makes them look grizzly. Grizzly. Like, grizzly. You know, like kind of yes. a little bit messy. That's where they got their name. So much grizz. So much grizzliness. <laughs> so much grizz. So they're protected by law on the lower 48. Okay. Continental United States, but not in Alaska. There's a lot. There's a lot. Right. Though currently there are some controversial things going on with that, which we'll kind of talk about towards the end of this episode. People want to remove those protections in the continental U.S. because the populations are getting better. Okay. Right. So they so can we'll just, talk about that. So they can just more. beat them back down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, bring back the predators, but don't because we want to go up in all their space. Right. And we don't want to get eaten. They are mostly solitary. Usually the only time you see them together is like a mom and her, her cubs, mm-hmm. which, which by the way, they usually have twins. <gasps> kind of fun. How cute. Yeah. My husband's a twin. I know you love that. I do love I that. I knew you'd love it. Um, so they're usually seen, like larger gatherings are usually Wait, seen. Wait, are they like identical twins or fraternal twins? Oh, you know, I don't know. Side note, the the males will do the kind of same thing that you were talking about with um, chimpanzees, Mm -hmm. where like, let's say a female has a bear cub and uh, she's lactating for the bear cub and Mm -hmm. the males will get kind of aggressive uh, because they want to mate and they'll kill off bear cubs. That's like a pretty common thing that happens. But very sad. Unless they think it's theirs. Unless they think it's theirs. Because the chimpanzee females like sleep with everybody. So So they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that happens with the bears. They didn't. She's, yeah, well, especially if they're solitary. Right. They'd be like, hello. hello. <laughs> I'm I'm up for it. Let's do this. Let's do all the things. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you, so I, like I was saying, they're mostly solitary, but you'll see them do these kind of like larger gatherings, like a dozen or more bears in Alaska mm-hmm. during the salmon run. Because during that time, they're in hyperphagia, which just means they're like need to eat a bunch of shit. Basically, whenever, like, like on your lady time. If you're I'm lady, always in hyperphagia. <laughs> like constantly. Uh, they just we, want to gain a bunch of weight. Can we make a t-shirt for that? Hyperphagia? Yeah. I just, I'm always in hyperphagia. Yeah. Yeah. In hyperphagia. Currently in hyperphagia. I'm going to have to make a note. Let's remember that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they're because they need a bunch of fat to sustain sustain themselves throughout the, the hibernation period, right? Because they hibernate. Uh, so they they hole up usually in a hillside or they'll they'll have like dens and they rest there during the whole winter. And that's during the during that time is also when females give birth when they're like, I guess, right before they're hibernating, then just like lactate through the winter. I don't know. So grizzly bears are top of the food chain predators. Okay, right. But like I said, they're mostly they're omnivores. They mostly eat berries and fruit and leaves and roots. They'll eat small rodents and mice. And then, of course, salmon. But they will fuck you up if you get up in their way. So they're considered top of the chain predators. Okay. They don't kill like moose and deer. They will eat. So I saw a video of grizzlies, like uh, a pack of wolves had taken down a caribou. Mm-hmm. And then the grizzly who was very hungry was like, let me get up in there. And right. kind of chase the wolves off. Right. Um, so I think they're powerful enough to do those things, but it's not something that they really go. They're more for. into the fish. Correct. Yeah. And like, 
grazing. I feel like they're grazers. Mm-hmm. It's that hyperphagia thing. They're just like, that, I'm telling fish. you, that's what I do in my kitchen. I'm like, there's some, some pistachios <laughs> and yeah. I'm just going to move over here. And what's this? Yeah. Especially <laughs> when you have kids. Yeah. There's yeah. just always snacky snacks everywhere. And you just hyperphagia the shit out of that. Right. Okay. Continue. Sorry. So let's talk a little bit about where they used to live, mostly in North America, right? And even to the Great Plains, all the way down to the Great Plains. Uh, they need a ton of space. So uh, one bear's home range might mm-hmm. be like 600 miles. Holy crap. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of habitat. That is a lot of habitat. Yes. Ideally, they needed to be isolated from development. They need to have places where they can dig in their dens, like hillsides, that kind of stuff. They so, would have to have a pretty big den, too. Yeah. If well, you're like, big. If you're like 800 pounds. Right? Yeah. When the European settlements came over and they started developing lands, they did a lot of hunting, like over hunting. Uh, there's a lot of development. So kind of mm-hmm. like there's the habitat destruction plus hunting. And they uh, really like killed the population numbers. Yeah, that, that whole time. pioneer time oh. is when they wiped out most species almost I, completely. I just Some imagine, completely. Yeah. And a lot yeah. almost completely. And I just imagine like pioneers walking around with their like grizzly coats, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think you imagine those historic black and white photos with all of the bison um, mm-hmm. hides stacked like. Yes. Like a mountain of them, literally. Yeah. Like a mountain of them. And the passenger pigeon, completely gone, extinct. And actually, grizzly bears that were in the lower 48, they would follow bison. Really? During that time. Yeah. I read a little thing about that, but I didn't include too much of that in here. So Yes. Um, And then, of course, when their food sources started getting depleted and they don't have any habitat and then they're getting hunted, it was like, yeah. Uh, So they can still be found in Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, and Washington State. And then they're pretty iconic in Yellowstone. Yes. Yeah. Just like uh, Yogi. Yeah, that's right. Yogi the bear. So they also still are found in Canada, obviously, and Alaska. We're going to talk a lot about Alaska today. And then a lot of hunters go up to Canada and Alaska where there are less restrictions, Mm -hmm. right? Or no restrictions. And they hunt them for big game trophies. (sighs) times so at their peak they had there was like more than fifty thousand grizzlies but like i said destruction of habitat fifty thousand fifty thousand that's i mean i thought it would be a bigger predator yeah i guess so they're not like ungulates or yeah but still i thought that would be a bigger number that's like their peak yeah fifty thousand just for the lower 48 okay yeah because i would think alaska because there's so much open space they, right? they, yeah, they would be a lot more. And Canada. Uh, so by 1930, the bear numbers had dropped to less than 2% of that 50,000, which is real small. Yes. And then in 1960, there were thought to be only 600 to 800 remaining <gasps> bears in the wild. Oh. So in 1975, they were listed as threatened under the U.S. Endangered Species Act, the ESA. Only threatened? Yeah, only threatened. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the numbers can drop that low and mm-hmm. still because the difference between threatened and endangered is how close they are to extinction. Right. And I, to me, if the numbers were that low, then they should be listed as endangered or critically endangered. Right. Well, you would think because they're only having like one to two cubs every yes. season and then 
they need that large range. Yeah, because, and, you know, they look at all the factors like, mm-hmm. yeah, habitat, um, threats and genetics. Yeah, all those things to determine that. But I would imagine when they were initially listed, there probably was a lot of politics at play or maybe oh, they sure. didn't have that equation of how to determine, you know, it's the listing status, I right. guess, at the time. So, yeah, whatever. So, a kind of fun story is that they're considered a conservation success story because there were so many restrictions in place after they were listed as threatened mm-hmm. um, that they, those protections actually helped build up their recovery. Oh, that's good. So the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has, they had set out zones mm-hmm. to protect the grizzly bears. And then they did a lot of education and uh, public promotion of grizzly bears, like you were saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's like Yogi the Bear, but also um, you too can prevent forest fires. Oh, yeah. Smokey the Bear. <laughs> Good old Smokey. Exactly. So there's like been a lot of efforts mm-hmm. to like, hey, you know, these guys are just living their lives. Let's not let them live their lives. Let them live their lives. Don't kill them. Right. So and then they also did a lot of program. They established a lot of programs to reimburse ranchers for like livestock that had mm-hmm. been killed by bears or eaten or whatever. Okay. So there was I think that was a big part of this public promotion of bears. So currently there are actually more than five times the number of grizzlies than there were in 1975. So they're okay. up to about 1700. I was trying to do some quick right? head math. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's in the contiguous United States of 48, lower 48. Okay. Uh, but they're not quite in the clear just yet. There have been attempts to delist grizzly bears twice, but they have both been blocked. In 2017, there was a second, the second attempt uh, was blocked because people are concerned about the genetic diversity of bears mm. because the populations are kind of spread out. How much diversity is there between the subspecies? Right. And conservationists also worry that if you delist the grizzly bears, they're going to get overhunted again. For sure. So that's kind of a little background on grizzly bears. Cool. They're not cuddly. No. I don't think there's too many people that would think they were. You would think that, Jen. Oh. But we're going to talk about one special person today. Oh, I love talking about special people. And I got I got this information. I mean, I, I had seen this documentary when it came out, and I was like, what the hell? And I, too, know this documentary you speak of, and I was also... Yes. It was a head scratcher. The documentary is called Grizzly Man. It was uh, filmed, directed by Werner Herzog. Gog. Herzog. Herzog or Herzog? Herzog. Oh, I can never say something. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Yes. was in the first episode. Yes. Because he was also supposed to get on that plane with Julianne Cope. She was, he was supposed to be on the plane that she, um, that crashed, that she survived. Mm Mm-hmm. And later made a documentary film with uh, with her. Yeah. Going back to the whole area where the plane crashed and her going through it, which if you haven't seen it yet, you, right. can, you still got to go back and watch it's, that. You know, he's a, I think he's a great director. And he was solicited to do this project um, mm-hmm. on Timothy Treadwell, who's the guy we're going to talk about. Okay. Who's the grizzly man, if you will. Because uh, he became kind of a celebrity. He was on some shows talking about what he had, you know, done with these grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, I think it was like the Letterman show and some other things. And so he kind of became a celebrity. And then at the end of this story, of his story, 
uh, he had a friend who solicited Werner to come and do this documentary. And we'll talk about opinions. Wait, he asked a friend to solicit Werner to do the documentary? No, no, no. A friend of Timothy's solicited Werner, Werner to oh, do okay. the documentary. Okay, okay. Yeah, at the end of Timothy's story. Okay, got it. Uh, so I did get, um, I rewatched it, and it was just as amazing. Just as kind as of it was like the first time. awkwardly like, painful to watch. Head scratching, all the things. Yes. Uh, and then I did also watch a YouTube video, which I'll talk a little bit about later when we get to the opinions of Timothy's story. Mm-hmm. Those are my two main references for this story. Okay, sounds and a, good. And a little bit from Wikipedia because that just fleshed it out some more. Yeah, Wikipedia is, I mean, it's helpful to follow a timeline, but it's not always, you know, yeah. accurate, I guess. Yeah. There's yeah, there's some different things. Yeah. Definitely in the documentary versus Wikipedia, it's like, hmm, which one is true? I don't know. Right. Let, let's learn about Timothy Treadwell. So Timothy William Dexter, that's how he was born. Uh, he is from Long Island, New York. His parents, Val and Carol Dexter. Okay. Uh, they had him uh, April 29th, 1957. That's when he was born. Um, he was uh, all-American boy, kind of blonde, like not bad looking. Uh, he is an average student, mostly made B's. Okay. He was on his high school swimming and diving team, and he was really good at diving, and he ended up getting a diving scholarship to college. And when he got to college, he started, you know, drinking a lot, smoking weed, kind of falling in with the wrong crowd. So, because it's the 70s. It's the 70s, right, yeah. That's, That's kind of what you did. Yeah, it's like a thing. You were sure. just like smoking all the weeds and, you know... Hanging out with your friends after Hanging school, with your listening friends. to uh, Acid Rock. Having some <laughs> some crazy mustache and long hair. Definitely. Yeah. So he ended up injuring himself and he lost his scholarship and he went home. Oh. Yeah. That's not good. And and that's from his parents talk about that in the documentary. I think it says something a little bit different in Wikipedia, but that is from the parents' mouth. So I believe it. When he was about 19 or 20, he moved to Long Beach, California and he wanted to reinvent himself. He wanted to be an actor. And he actually got a job working on the Queen Mary, which is... That it's uh, like a ghost ship, isn't it? Yes. It's like a big tourist yeah, attraction. I've seen, some, I've seen some like paranormal shows that talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that one where they go and stay in one of the staterooms. I totally remember. The Great Ghost, right? Yeah. So yeah, he gets a job there. I mean, because, you know, if you're going to be an actor, you got to get at least a waiting job first right it's a it's part of the it's part of a thing yeah it's a thing you do it's like and then you just pass out your headshot exactly here are your appetizers and my headshot exactly uh he fabricated a whole life saying that he was from australia and even would have this really horrible fake australian accent yes 100 percent. wow he thought like that would help him get some gigs or what I guess so. He changed his name to Treadwell at this time. And his dad says, uh, uh, you know, to be more theatrical. Okay. But still, like, trying to pretend you're someone you're not. Yeah. Don't care what your goals are. That's just kind of off. Well, and he even learned a lot about some remote place in in like the outback or something so he could be like oh you know i'm from this town or whatever i can't do an australian accent so i'm yeah. not gonna try but apparently he also couldn't do one and <laughs> people Good like day, knew right it. and they're Good like day. yeah they're like, they're like uh, you're no. not that didn't yeah you can't just say that and people think you're from australia right sorry 
one of his friends from Long Beach who had met him, you know, when he first got there mm-hmm. was like, yeah, we all knew that, it, but no one really cared. Maybe they like, thought it was, he was just quirky. Yeah. They were like, he, he was like, he's just a fun loving guy. Likes to pretend like, like he's from another country and do it's it. okay. We all know he's not. <laughs> terrible accent. It's all exactly. good. I'm sure. Totally normal. Totally normal. He's an actor. <laughs> That's what they do. It's he is acting. Drama. Yeah. He's yeah. like, it's like method acting, right? Yeah. He's just prepping for some role as an Australian. That's all. 100%. Okay. Um, so he did get on some TV shows. Really? Like the dating game. I guess he got on the dating game. Wait, the dating game was... No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Love Connection back in two and two. Oh. oh did man, you not Jen, watch the Love no. Connection? No. With I did watch the Love Boat. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. We, I mean, we so did good. mention 80s sitcoms. Mm-hmm. But the Love Connection was hilarious. I don't think I ever saw that. Was that the oh, one my where God. you had to like answer questions like the same as your partner? That's the dating game. Oh, oh wait. okay. No, the dating game is when there's three people and then one sits... And he, they ask questions to, and then they pick without seeing right. the three contest, you know, the three people they might yeah, date. Yeah. They pick them based on how they answer the questions. Yeah. Right. That's the dating game. But the love connection was like, so you go on and then you, you know about these people, you get their kind of like profiles mm-hmm. and then, and it's like on a big screen. And what's that guy's name? Chuck Norris. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> You mean the other Chuck. I know which Chuck you The game show Chuck. <laughs> but it would be awesome if it was Chuck <laughs> Norris. Any because, sh- honestly, any show that Chuck Norris was on. Uh, is it Chuck just, from Love I know, Connection? I can see his face in my mind. He has yes. like the combed back brown Woolery. hair. Woolery. Yes. <laughs> Chuck Woolery. You should take that out. So Chuck Woolery, that That's was great. his name. I don't think I'm going to take that out because it was too good. <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> anyway, so it was Chuck Woolery. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so and then somebody would, um, so they would be like, yeah, I think I choose this person. And they would go on their date and they would come back and then they would talk about oh. it. And so the person who chose it, like the person trying to get go on dates, yeah, would sit with Chuck and then the person they dated would be on the on big the screen. screen. Yeah. And it was sometimes when they were bad, it was hilarious. I have seen that show. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And Chuck would always do the two and two. That's right. If you can't, you can't see me, but I'm doing like two and two, like piece number two, back and forth, two and two, and then he would like do the finger guns. Yeah, (laughs) it was Chuck Woolery or Chuck Norris, and probably every girl that was on that show was like Chuck. Let's go on a date, you me. I don't know. He's He's such a game show guy with the hair. With the hair, I don't know. So great, but that show. Anyway, so sorry, he was on the dating game, which is pretty awesome. I wonder if he was a contestant, like in one of the three, or if he was the one choosing. Right. I think in that situation, I'd want to be the chooser. Yeah. Because if you don't get picked, you're just like, okay, bye. Right. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, according to his parents and a couple other articles, mm-hmm. he was, he came in second. I'm making air quotes. He came in second to Woody Harrelson to be on Cheers. Like the bartender on wow. Cheers. Yeah. What a difference that would have made if he really was. Uh, I know. But Woody Harrelson... I love him. Yes. He's so good. So because, and this seems to be some kind of tipping point for him, mm-hmm. that he didn't get cheers. And so he gets super disappointed and like spirals into depression. Oh. He ends up 
at some point taking antidepressants, but he stops taking them because he says that he prefers to feel the highs and lows. Oh, dude. Then he gets really into heroin and cocaine. Mental health, man. Take your your prescription. And he himself even says, I mean, he says it in the, the footage on the documentary that he, you know, he's troubled. And everyone who talks about him is like, oh, he's this great guy, but he was really troubled. But it was Cheers. But and let me just cheers. say, because earlier we were we were bantering about sitcoms, and little did I know that it would play into your story, because Cheers was also another one that we watched, <sighs> yeah. you know, every week. Who doesn't love Cheers? Who doesn't? That's no. a great show. Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> Crazy that that was kind of what sent him into his downward spiral. Yeah, he kind of loses it, like, like I said. So he ends up having like a near fatal overdose. Oh, man. That's no good. Uh, he claims that after that overdose, he discovered bear country, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that the bears saved him. I don't know. And there isn't In like, his mind. I'm not sure. He made a promise to the bears because he wanted to take care of them. And we'll talk about that like a lot that he would he would not drink or do drugs because he had to be there for them. So he spent 13 summers. The last five of them he actually filmed. Okay. Like every summer, he went up to Alaska to the wilderness bear country, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, he went to the Big Green. It's called the Big Green. It's Hollow Bay on the Katmai Coast up in Alaska. Okay. And he called this area the Grizzly Sanctuary. And then he would start his summer there. Wait, he called it that, or it he was... called it that? It was okay. not called that. Okay. Officially, the Katmai coast there's actually a wilderness preserve Mm -hmm. and that's where he would stay and and he called it the grizzly sanctuary there's a lot of grizzlies there there's like flats kind of these like Mm -hmm. flat areas and then the salmon run happens there and then also he would move later in the summer to this place that he would call the grizzly maze again that's his name right official name in the kafia bay and this area is like way more dangerous there's a lot of bears Mm -hmm. and it would he would camp in this kind of like thicket and the bears would travel in trails through the thicket so it was like he was surrounded by bears oh it's extremely dangerous and he never brought a weapon or bear spray or bear spray but okay i'm trying to make the connection and you're probably gonna kill me right now because i'm trying to make the connection between didn't get on cheers got on heroin overdosed almost died had serious problems and then all of a sudden there's like bear stuff like where did that start like did he go to the zoo and see a bear because at this point he's like (laughs) living in la or yeah yeah, la area he's trying to be an actor so where did that connection to him being really super into bears start so when he was growing up he did have a pet squirrel and he oh that's the connection always squirrel (laughs) To grizzly bear. I got it. Right. Yeah. No, he always liked animals. Okay. But there isn't like a clear connection. Even in the documentary, Herzog doesn't cover that. It's like his friends are like, yeah, he had this overdose. He was really into surfing and being outdoors. And then he really liked bears. And then he just randomly starts going to Alaska. And then he was like, I'm going to go to Alaska and I'm going to freaking, I'm going to save the bears. I'm going to protect them. So, from poachers and hunters and all these people. Probably somewhere in there. He read a book or he saw a bear or he mm-hmm. knew somebody or maybe in the in the film industry, there was a bear somewhere that somebody had. Right. And he just thought it was super cool. And then it's he possible. just he just went way down that road. He went down that and road. And then saved money 
to go to Alaska? Like, that's not cheap. You know, what's interesting is that he was actually super poor. He did found a preservation group called uh, Grizzly People. (laughs) (laughs) So he met this woman. He met this woman. Is that still around? Uh, They might be. So this woman, Jewel Palavac, she met Timothy at, it was like a medieval times restaurant that he was working at. It's called Gulliver's. And she would be, she would dress up like a wench or whatever. And I don't remember what role he had, but he had like this Prince Valiant haircut. Like everyone talks about it. It's like this, it's like a bowl cut. Awesome. Oh God. Blonde. I I just pictured it. Yeah. So he's very like Like John Denver-ish. I think, I feel like worse. Okay. Like we're we're going back to like Henry VIII. Henry VIII. Okay. Yes, definitely. You know, those last five years, he would do a lot of, of like filmmaking uh-huh. He was like, he would bring a couple cameras and he would go up there and it's almost like he treated the camera as this confessional. Um, and he would talk about how he felt about the animals. He would question life and himself and all these things. And there's like over a hundred hours of tape and there's a lot of it is on this documentary. So just so you know, the Grizzly People Foundation website is still there. Active? It's still active. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, I didn't even look that up. I was like, and it says people? that the Grizzly People Foundation, Timothy Treadwell, it talks about him. Does it's it a say- grassroots organization devoted to preserving bears in their wilderness habitats. I can't tell like how many members. Let me find them. Maybe they're on Twitter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see them on Twitter. Their website is still up. So it's still active. For still What's thing. their copyright year on it? I don't see. It's usually at the bottom somewhere, right? Yeah. I don't know. Check it. It's like there's different pages, but I don't see it down there. This is a really dated website. It's a lot of words on it. <laughs> Way to critique their website, Megan. <laughs> okay. So one thing I will say about Timothy Treadwell real quick is that he did do these. He went up there 13 summers. He lived with the bears, among the bears. And then he would go back and he would do conservation education at schools for no charge. Okay. And there's something about that. That's really nice. Yeah. But let me just also say that he would call himself a kind warrior. He felt like he was going up there to essentially protect these bears himself. Wait, protect them from... Hunters, poachers, okay. all sorts of things, right? He basically was like, I'm going up here. I'm going to buy myself... I'm alone in the wilderness. And it was almost like this kind of, not delusions of grandeur, but just kind of like, I'm this amazing person. Look Mm -hmm. at what I'm doing. I'm saving these bears single-handedly. And no one could come up here and do what I do. It's so dangerous to live up here. He says it many times. Right. So dangerous. You could die, but I don't even bring any weapons. I don't bring bear spray because I don't want to hurt these animals. Right, right. I'm sacrificing my life. Like it's it's very much about him. Martyr almost. Yes. Yes, very much about him. So, and like I said, he said he was alone. Okay. But there would be women who came up with him occasionally his lady friends yeah and he he actually talks about this there's a clip in the documentary where he's got the camera on himself um and he was let me just back up he was methodical about filming himself he would set up a camera like a stationary camera and he would run 12 15 takes of one thing until he felt like it was perfect right and then sometimes he would have like a handheld camera and it would he would try to do action shots with it you know, or he would set the stationary camera down on the bottom of a hill and he would run down the hill mm-hmm. and kind of run back <laughs> up the hill. In the documentary, uh, Werner Herzog does all the narration for it. And he's like, you know, in some of these 
moments, it's kind of poignant. Like you see him run through the forest and then there's this kind of like nature just kind of happens. And it is. There are a couple shots where you're just like, wow, it's like really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, wow, he's in this wilderness. And you're like, he's alone. That's crazy. But like I said, he he brought ladies with him sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he does. He's doing kind of like a confessional one time. He's walking with the camera. It's pointed on him. And he's talking about how it would have been easier for him to have been gay because, you know, gay men can just have sex with whoever and they don't have to worry about people necessarily liking them for long periods of time. They can get over people. It was just kind of this like tone deaf thing, you know, that it's he was talking about how he doesn't understand why there aren't women who love him for longer. Why can't they why can't they stay with him longer? You know, he's a but great that's guy. Very he's opposite of what he was just saying. Yes, about. it's very contradictory. It, there's and so many things like that. So it's so stereotypical and mm-hmm. wrong. Yes, to even say that in the first I know. place. I know. So and and he's like, he's saying, you know, I'm this great guy. I do these great things. Like, why don't people love me? Oh, yeah. There is some sort of. There's got to be a personality disorder yes to label to put on definitely talk about that okay yeah yeah is it the historionic sorry i'm already going there i don't know i'll let it go i'll let let it go go. (laughs) but i know that there's that that martyr syndrome right right. but it's i can't remember the personality it is (laughs) so so the last two summers well there's conflicting there's conflicting stuff in the resources it it says some people say three summers some people say two summers either way he had this girlfriend Mm -hmm. um and she's the only woman that he films at some point that's come with him and her name was amy hugengard hugengard oh fuck hugen hugen boogen hugen hugengard i think it's hugengard okay oh my god probably wrong um, she came with him, and in the documentary, her family declines to be interviewed. They're like, no. We're good. We're good. That guy's right. freaking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. For reals. We're out. And she shows up exactly three times mm-hmm. in his filming. One time, she's getting off of uh, uh, the boat like that lands on the water. Mm-hmm. Seaplane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, those the planes, not the boats, whatever. The plane boat. Plane, plane boat. <laughs> Uh, she's getting off the seaplane and then, but you don't really see her face. You know, mm-hmm. she's just always kind of like moving her hand in front of it. Uh, and then you see her one time she's sitting on a hill with some bears below her and she has like a mosquito net over her face. And then the last time is a video of her. There's this very large male bear kind of up the hill above her and she's kind of ducking down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like she's avoiding being on camera. She actually says later in her diary that she was always frightened of bears. So I don't know why the hell she would go with him to the Alaskan wilderness where all there are bears. Somehow he convinced her to go. Yes. Right. Yeah. Was she a girl? She was a girlfriend. She was a girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. She was a lover. Mm. One of the, that jewel lady that he had, that they made the grizzly people together. Oh, okay. She, she caught, well, Jewel said that they had dated for a while. They knew each other for like 20 years, her and Timothy, but she had called Amy his lover. Oh. And they were all very good friends. Wow, chicken, wow, wow. What? So Timothy always felt like nature was his true home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of evident in the way that he talks about it. It's like he's really disconnected from civilization, from society. He's almost like disgusted by it. Okay. And he gets really emotional 
about the animals. Oh, boy. At one point, there's this clip of him, like one of the bears that he follows. And just side note, he names every bear. He okay. names them. Mm-hmm. And I have a real problem with that. Being, you know, like at one point, Jen, I was a naturalist at the at the Chattahoochee Nature Center in Roswell, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And you never name animals. Well, they do. They're wild. They do that for the chimpanzees. Well, yeah. Jane Goodall does that, Megan. <sighs> I don't like it. Well, I think that it's better to name them because they're following them and studying them than to be like specimen A2 or, you know, or <laughs> subject B53. And I think that's... To them, it's it's easier mm-hmm. to put a name to it. It's just like when we put satellite tags on turtle, you know, sea turtles. Yeah. We give them a name. Sure. And we let them go and we're like, and we let the local, you know, wherever the turtle's at, the community will name it. And that's how we follow it. And it's a little more endearing than um, just giving it a number or some tag number or something. Bear 141. Yeah, bear 141. I mean, it's okay to do that too. I know they do that with wolves. I don't think they give them names. They have numbers for them for tracking them. So I think it's up to, you know, how they're being studied. But I know for the chimpanzees and even those, the one I just read earlier, the bonobos, they they name them because they're following these families. Sure, sure, sure. So I think that we'll just have a like difference of opinion on this. We'll agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. So you're disagreeing with Jane Goodall is all I'm saying. I am. I'm sorry, Jane Goodall, but I disagree. I I feel like when people attach an anthropomorphic name to a wild animal, it allows people who are not scientists Mm -hmm. to then anthropomorphize those animals. Don't you think it's better when they're trying to raise money for these animals, like Mm -hmm. say on chimpanzees or gorillas, that they say, can you sponsor whatever, you know, yeah. Angela Ruby or whoever yeah. or this chimpanzee and they have a picture with the name and then you sponsor it. Yeah, there are. I mean, because I do work in outreach mm-hmm. that there are points where it's like, OK, this is a positive thing for the public. Right. I still hate it so much. I get it. Listen I know here. they're trying Listen to hear like... audience. <laughs> you have you have seen us uh, agree to disagree. We agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> So it's something that I didn't like. But anyway, he he saw this female bear Mm -hmm. um, who I think he had named Saturn and she pooped and he went over to the poop and he spends a while touching the poop, talking about it. Touching it? Like putting his hands? Full on hands on the poop, Jen. It's warm. And he says things like, it just came from inside of her. Uh, It just came from inside of her. That's... This is amazing. It's, It's a miracle... She's perfect. But I feel like this story may be what's making you weird about naming animals because no other like real researcher that Mm -hmm. is um, a scientist or is really studying from that Mm -hmm. perspective of science and understanding the species would do shit like that. Right. Ever. Well, and that's so the he's, thing. But the thing is, is he's not a he's not a biologist. No. He's he has no formal. Tra- he's just an enthusiast. He's an enthusiast, and he's... he shouldn't be there in the first place doing that. No. But if you, there so say there was like a real conservation organization mm-hmm. with actual trained biologists in bears, and mm-hmm. they were out there and they were conducting from a distance a real research study, and they decided they wanted to name them so they could track them easier. Sure. I think you would be okay with that because they're not assigning any kind of human traits to that animal. Right. Well, other than making it easier for them to track. Correct. 
okay. On some level, okay. I'm just I'll saying. agree with that. I, I think, yeah, it, what disturbs me is that he believes, completely believes, that he is able to communicate with the bears, that they respect and admire him. Oh, my God. And he, in turn, respects and admires them. And there's nothing to be afraid of, even though, and he admits this many times, they can kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, they can kill me. And he still is like, look at Saturn. Hey, Saturn, how are you doing? You know, just these kinds of things that I'm like, no. And Saturn's giving that angry side eye. Saturn's like, you're going to be real tasty one day. So Might yeah. Happen. And he actually develops a relationship too with these foxes. He would make his camp between two fox dens. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like regular fox dens. And there was a fox that he named Timmy. Hey, what did it say? What's that? What did the fox say? (laughs) 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 Sorry, I couldn't help myself. That was great. (laughs) And and I mean, there is really great footage Mm -hmm. of like foxes, of like the den. Mm -hmm. It it is like really amazing to see. But he desensitized those animals to human interaction. And there's something about that that I don't like either. Yeah, you shouldn't habituate animals to humans in the wild. No, it's a bad thing. Agreed. But he's not supposed to be there doing those things. He's not. I mean, this is not a research study. It is is not a research study. I think he considers himself kind of a filmmaker. He's going to, you know, he's he's doing this to help educate people about bears. But it's upsetting. The other part about his love of animals is that he sets them in this very positive light. Oh, these bears, they're so beautiful. They're perfect. Everything they do, you know, even though they're strong and dangerous and all this, they're amazing. And anytime there was something bad that happened, he couldn't handle that very well. Like Mm. he would spend a lot of time kind of like mulling over it. And so he he found in one season, the summer of 2000, Mm -hmm. it was like a drought. There was a drought. And so the fish weren't running as many fish weren't running and the bears were super hungry. And that's the time where they'll they'll eat their own if mm. there's not a lot. Eat their own like cubs or cubs. Oh, the mothers will eat the cubs. Well, no, I think it's like because the, they're all kind of congregating to eat the salmon. They'll eat. Oh, ba- bears will just eat bears. I don't think it's a matter of like moms eat cubs or anything like that. Yeah. I think they're just I like, like whatever. That's an interesting <laughs> thing. Well, so, so it would be like another bear would come over and kill a small right. cub or smaller because bear. Because they're hungry. They're starving. Yeah. And yeah. there's not a lot of prey. So they're like, all right, this is what's going to happen. What about those foxes? this would be tasty so he actually at that point during the summer you know he finds this bear skull that had been that's all that was left of this baby bear Mm -hmm. and you know he's emotional about it and he decides then he's gonna go and create a fish run up the river so he actually digs out moves the rocks Mm -hmm. so the water flows and the fish will run up it because there's a drought, right? So there's like less water in the river. Okay. So he tries to create this like a for the stream fish. or a river bank. Yeah. He tries to open it up. He tries to open it up to help the bears. And again, I don't agree with that. If you're going to be out there observing bears in some kind of scientific capacity, you shouldn't be creating runs for the bears. No, you're just observing. You're just but observing. But he's not. But he's not. Yeah. Okay. So he does that. And then he's really upset about like the things that are happening. This baby bear being eaten. They don't have any food. He's like, he's seeing these bears starve. So he's like, listen, we need to call a bear meeting. I need everybody <laughs> to meet 
this evening at four o'clock. At we my can, tent. Let's Zoom. Let's do it. I need to understand. <laughs> I'm really emotional about this. Make sure we socially distance. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, after he builds this corridor, he actually has this like, I think it's like a mental break. Mm-hmm. And he films himself almost unhinged, ranting at gods, Allah, Christian God. Like he even says something like those, those uh, Indian floaty gods. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, oh my God, it was... And he's almost like forcefully praying. Wait, is this his own video or is this This Werner? No, this is his own video. Because I could see Werner just being like, wow. Yeah, no, Werner. Great. Werner never went to the field with him. All of the footage of Timothy was shot by Timothy. Oh, but Werner had it. But he had it. He's like, this is golden. Yeah, he was given it by Jewel. Because Jewel wanted to have, that's the friend who wanted to have this documentary made about her friend. Okay. Which I feel like kind of backfired on what she was looking for. Yeah. But anyway, so because the reality is. Well, yeah, it's so obvious. I mean, there's so much evidence. I mean. Yes. So yeah, he has this kind of like this crazy rant about Mm -hmm. how there needs to be rain. Okay. And then maybe like two days later or something, like a day later, it Mm -hmm. does. It starts to rain because seasons and it's pouring rain okay and he believes oh god that he did it yes no yes oh well that because of his like rant slash prayer to all the gods in the universe Mm -hmm. he has created this rain floaty ones the floaty ones (laughs) yeah he has created this rain that will now sustain these bears he is their ultimate protector wow so that just it just like verified his what his thoughts on that right and now he's just going full on oh yeah down that road that he created oh yeah rain but mm-hmm. which god was it i want to know i don't you know i don't know <laughs> the one true god jen <laughs> <laughs> he also at one point comes along a dead fox that had been eaten by some wolves mm-hmm. um and he's yelling kind of about the wolves being disrespectful and how could they do this to this fox, you know? And this fox was his friend. Oh, and like wow. I had said, he made his camp between two fox dens. So he was like constantly interacting with them. Shit happens in nature. It's freaking chaos. Yes. Well, I mean, I think that most people in this world know these things. Hopefully. So he has this friend in Alaska, Kathleen Parker. She is a uh, platonic friend. Okay. Uh, which, I don't know. She's kind of... Uh, Jewel, Kathleen, like these people are like a little bit something. Like they really admire him. They really like almost to the point of like not worship, but uh, but there's something something weird about those relationships. Right. Well, he's he's convinced them. Yes. That his uh, of his plight, and he and- does sometimes sound very like childlike, full of wonderment, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I think that these women are kind of attracted to that. Right. They just think he's just this sweet, yeah. you know, caring soul of a person that right. just wants to save he nature. Just to and, save nature. And bears. Yeah. Okay. So this lady, Kathleen, would store all of Timothy's stuff for the winter at her house because mm-hmm. she lives in Alaska. And then before he would go out in the summer, kind of, she says, he would stand at my back door and he would say to me, if I don't come back, this is what I would want. This is the way I want to go. Well, I feel like that's true. Yeah. Because he has, it, it sounds like he did express that he knew it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then he's already probably in his mind decided that if he died mm-hmm. that way, then that would be what he would want because he's put himself there. 
So at least that's a little flash of reality amidst all the It's like it, it almost crazy. feels like he has a little bit of a death wish. Yes. He's putting himself in that situation. He has no protection. To, to not get mauled. Eaten. Oh, God. Okay. All right. So let's talk about what happens to Timothy and his last his last season. The last season. The finale. <laughs> the finale. Oh. I don't want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Shit. come on. Mm. You put yourself there. What do you expect? And we know about grizzlies. They're freaking 800 pounds, all right? And they have humps of like muscle and fat and everything. Just extra, extra weight. For extra For extra killing. Stuff. For extra killing power. Yes. Ugh. Like he knows this. It's uh, September 2003. And there are two different uh, versions of this story. Okay. The one that I tend to believe is that he and Amy, Amy was with him. They okay. had left. Wait, Amy was the one that stored his stuff? No, no, no. Amy is the girlfriend. Okay. So there's Jewel, who's like the friend. They start the grizzly people together. The okay. Foundation. Amy's the lover. Amy's the lover. And then... And then Kathleen Parker is the friend in Alaska who stores shit for him. Okay. Got it. Yeah. All women, interestingly. Anyway. Well, maybe he, because of his personality disorder which i hope we go into later yes he had a hard time having male friends well sure well and also his hair probably men were very jealous of his hair of his crazy um what do you what is it called prince valiant cut prince valiant cut <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and actually sorry wait and what year is this like 2000 2003 he was still hold, hanging on to that cut oh he was still hanging on, Jen. Wow. And he would wear different bandanas. Oh, my That's God. I forgot devotion. to mention He So he would, when he redid those shots, remember how I said he would do like take after take after take after take? Uh-huh. So sometimes, he, and he even talks about it. He'd be like, okay, so I'm probably going to put on like a different bandana. Like, okay, I'm maybe going to use the camo bandana because I really like that one. Or I'm going to use a black bandana. I'm going to do different shots, you know, of me. And he's talking to the camera, just him. That's amazing. And I need like, to watch this again. I, Is that on the oh, documentary? It's on the documentary. You I gotta, have got to watch I, it. It's I'll so watch good. it tonight. It's so good. I did want to watch it before yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. it. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Werner said, tells this story okay. in the documentary. He says that Amy and Timothy left because it was end of the season, right? Usually he leaves around September because mm-hmm. it starts getting cold. The bears are going into their dens. They're getting ready for hibernation. It's like done. So they leave for the season and then when they get to the airport, Timothy has some kind of altercation with a, quote, obese airline agent who didn't believe his ticket was valid. His flight ticket was valid. Why did the word obese come in? I'm telling play. you. That's from Timothy? That's from Timothy. Okay. So that's just rude. You know, he realizes in this interaction that he doesn't want to deal with people anymore and he wants to go back to the bears. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's so sensitive. So sensitive. Yeah. And But another version says that they actually just stayed longer because he hadn't seen one of the female bears he usually sees. He needed to put his hands in her poo. He needed to touch that poo. So either way, Amy was like, fuck no. I don't want to stay or I don't want to go back or whatever. Okay. She tells him she wants to leave him, that she's over this, because she's supposed to be back in California by a certain date for a new job. Okay. We don't know why, but she ends up going back with him or staying or whatever, even though she writes in her diary that she is terrified of bears. Terrified of bears and didn't want to go back. Didn't want to go back, says to him, I don't want to go back. But somehow she still goes back. I don't know if he pressures her or whatever. We can only speculate because there's nothing about that. Well, I think he started crying. Definitely. And she felt sorry for him. 
Because women always feel sorry. Yeah. Which stop feeling sorry. Stop feeling sorry. Just be like, fuck off. I'm getting on the plane. <laughs> you can cry and you can be sad and it doesn't matter because I need to do what I need to do. Right. And you need to respect that. Yes. And if you cannot respect that. All the crying and, and acting up right? is just not going to work. And he actually, I, I forgot to mention this, but he always wears black. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always wears these like little black sunglasses with his hair and the bandana. With his hair and the bandana, so it's just like the hair poking out. It's, wow, there's it's a look. It's a okay. whole look. So it's a thing. anyway, and one of I can't remember if it's Jewel or Kathleen was like, "Here's my biker man," you know, like or like he's <laughs> he's my knight, you know, like this kind of weird. Like they're ninja. trying to make him really masculine because he look at him, he's wearing all black and he's got his bandana. There's uh. something that I'm just like, come on, man. So she actually says in her diary, like, he's hell-bent on destruction. Like his self-destruction? Like his self-destruction. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just going to follow him down that road. Let's do it. Come on. All right. So they go back to the grizzly maze because that's where he ends his time or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's looking for this bear. When they get back to the grizzly maze, which if you will remember, it's a thicket of alder trees. I don't think I mentioned they were alder trees, but they're like just really closely grown together. And this is where there's just like a ton of bears in that Mm -hmm. area. And typically he knows all those bears. But when they get back, it's later in the season. It's like October, like end of September, beginning of October. And he doesn't know any of the bears. All the bears that he's used to are gone. And what's left are those bears who are very hungry. Because they are trying to get as much as they can, right? They're still hyperphagia. Before they hiber- yeah, before they And they hibernate. got to hibernate. And they're like the last bears of the season. They're and like they're the not habituated who, like, to seeing they're, those people. No, not at all. Timothy actually does a recording. And he's standing there and he's saying, I know these animals are dangerous. This is kind of a haunting video. Because as he's talking right behind him is the area where later he will be found. And he says in the video... He's talking about other people trying to do what he does. And he says, you will die here. And he goes on to say that he won't because he's found a way to live among the bears. So October 6th rolls around. Uh, Willie Filton, who is the pilot who who drives that seaplane, always Mm -hmm. takes Timothy out, knows him really well, knows exactly where his camp is. He had dropped them off. Um, He had gotten a call the previous day from Timothy or like the day before, I can't remember, to schedule a pickup because they were going to be done. Okay. On uh, he, October 6th is his pickup date. So Willie flies down, lands, goes up the trail to the camp where he knows it's going to be. And he feels weird. He's like calling out their names. Amy, Timothy, like, hey, I'm here. Like usually all their stuff is on the, the bank, mm-hmm. you know, like ready to be loaded up. And like there's nothing there. And he's like, this is super weird. And he starts to head back down because he's. He doesn't like how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes, he kind of like turns around. He realizes he's being stalked by a bear. Oh, my God. And he was like, holy fuck. Yeah. So he just like hightails it back to his plane. Right? Probably mm-hmm. peed a little. <laughs> For sure, peed a little. Maybe a few squirts. <laughs> a few squirts. He does a fly over the camp. And he sees this bear. It's a big male bear. Mm-hmm. And it is feeding on a human rib cage. Oh, my God. And he's like, Fuck. Yeah. He tries to scare the bear away by doing low flyovers. Uh-huh. But what ends up happening is the bear just eats faster. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Willie's like, okay, this is not working. He gets the park service on the phone, on the horn. Yeah. He's um, like, hi, people who know what to do around <laughs> Hello, bears. park service. Yeah. And they're like, all right, let's go. They all go. 
they end up shooting two bears. Oh. The big male that was eating the rib cage, and then a smaller adolescent who had charged at them when they okay. came out. And it's like they're okay. shooting them. Like that's it. Yeah. So the bear that um the larger one okay. who was eating the remains, he's a twenty eight year old male. Hmm. He's older. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's if you remember, they live like 25 years. So he's like, oh, he's an old man. Bro is like over it already. He's like, I'm over it. I'm going to eat some humans <laughs> before I go. <laughs> this is like bucket list. Yeah, done. <laughs> I can die now. And he actually had a tattoo on his inner lip because at one point when he was much younger, he had been tranquilized and his information had been recorded. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking they were doing maybe like a population study. So they this bears name if you will is bear 141 i'm i'm sure that makes you happy it does <laughs> okay i'm gonna call him ralph okay so damn it ralph they inspect the camp there's clothes everywhere there are parts everywhere they do an autopsy of the bear and inside bear 141 uh are human remains limbs fingers they find limbs, like limbs. full limbs. I'm, I don't know how full. I mean, he must have been real hungry. He just swallowed him down. They find Timothy's head and spine oh. a little bit further away from the camp. Like he had been drug away. Oh. Uh, they end up not being able to do an autopsy on the adolescent bear because I guess in the time that they were like gathering all the evidence or something, some animals ate that bear. So there wasn't enough to remain, uh, like enough remains of that bear for them to do an autopsy on the adolescent. Mm -hmm. So in all of the stuff at the camp, they find a video camera. And I'm just going to recommend everyone go watch Grizzly Man only for the coroner who's in this video. He is really enthusiastic. He kind of gives you all the details of this tape that they find. There's no video um, uh, visual. There's Mm -hmm. only audio because I guess... Either the camera was inside a bag or the cap was still on. Mm-hmm. But in it, um, and the coroner details the whole thing, just with like a little bit of weird delight. Like he's just, he's a weird dude. Well, because probably in most situations when you find a dead body, there's not a an audio um, recording to that's attached to it that? that could help you with that. So I mean, I imagine for a coroner that would make them giddy. Yeah. Well, and he does talk about how, you know, when they brought the bodies in Mm -hmm. that they, you know, it wasn't a full body. It was just like pieces and he had to kind of piece them together. Okay. So in this six minute audio, Amy um, is screaming, stop, go away. Okay. And Timothy is kind of moaning, but then also he's telling Amy to run away. Mm -hmm. And at some point he tells her to get something to scare the bear away. Okay. And so she... But he's moaning? But he's moaning. So he's already being attacked? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's so... So the... I guess what they're... They kind of piece everything together. And what they think happened is they were inside the tent at night and they heard a bear. Mm -hmm. And that Timothy got out of the tent at night to confront the bear. Okay. And then that bear attacked him. I don't know if they were like in the like process. Like confront him to like have a conversation. Be like, hey Look, man, listen, we're, we're trying to sleeping. sleep. <laughs> it's all good here. I have a I have a Kit Kat. I'll give you if you can just go. Right? Can you just we'll, right? You know, we'll see you tomorrow. I got some granola. Let's just let's yeah. call it a night. Yeah. So and and it's like they don't know if he was like trying to set up the camera and that's why it was recording. Mm-hmm. But there was enough tape to record everything, so it was only like six minutes. Okay. Of tape. 
that right. they hear. So yeah, so it's like he's outside being attacked by the bear. Amy is apparently inside the tent, screaming, freaking out, freaking out. Um, she ends up getting a frying pan, runs over to the bear, smacks the bear on the head, which does nothing. Yes. The bear drags Timothy away to another location where mm-hmm. they later find his head and spine. And then I don't know That's why. like all they found over there? Yeah. Ooh. And I'm not entirely sure why, but um, she doesn't run away. And mm-hmm. the bear comes back and attacks her and kills her. And the last minutes of the video are her screaming. Oh, my God. Being consumed by this bear. Oh, my God. So the audio... I had thought it was released, but there's something about like, it's never going to be released to the public. But I think there if you want to go try and find it, I'm pretty sure there's a YouTube video that has it. Probably. Yeah, because I remember when this first came out, finding an audio and being like, I'm not going to listen to this. What year did it come out? The documentary? 2005. Okay. So the incident happened in 2002? Three. Oh, two, sorry, 2003 in the documentary was released in 2005. 2005. I'm wondering yeah. if I ever saw the whole thing ever. Oh, God. And, you know, so actually in the documentary, Warner plays, he listens to the whole tape. Remember, he gets all of the footage, all of the tapes that Timothy made. So he has access to this last tape. And he actually listens to it on camera. They don't show his full face, just kind of like the his camera documentary cameras behind him mm-hmm. and he's listening and sitting in front of him, of him is jewel and she's just staring at him kind of like holding the tape recorder mm-hmm. that he's listening from and werner just starts crying and he he like takes off the headphones and he's like jewel don't ever listen to this tape and she's like i will never listen to that tape and he's like and don't ever look at the coroner's report because Ugh. i guess there's also photos Ooh, well, yeah. Who would want to see that completely mauled, dismembered, eaten body of your friend and person you loved? Loved, yeah. No, thank you. And she was like, I will never. And she starts crying. She was like, I promise you, I will never. It was, I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. But there's also something like overly dramatic about that particular scene. Like it feels a little bit like, like that's, well, you know, I know, but still. So right after he listens to that and you see him kind of reacting to the the tape. Mm Mm-hmm. In there, Werner plays a video that Timothy took of two male bears, Sergeant Brown and Mickey, fighting over the female named Saturn. Okay. Okay. And it's like, it's probably like two or three minutes long of these two fully grown male bears fighting each other. And there's something really disturbing about that, like knowing that he died uh-huh. And now you're watching these two bears who are kind of equal in strength. Yes. And realizing just what happened to him. How brutal. How brutal. That attack was. That attack was. Yeah. Well, they don't really, they're not really talking about Amy, though. No, not really. I'm, you know, poor Amy. Probably for her family's sake. I'm I assuming. mean, I imagine they kind of held that because she was just there with him. But this was, this and was she, his thing. She didn't want to be there. Mm-mm. Um, so, yeah, just seeing those two bears fighting really drives home that destructive aspect of how destructive they are. And for as much as Timothy talked about knowing how to fend bears off, you know, he kind of there's a couple of clips of him saying like, oh, this bear charged at me and I stopped him, you know, and he respected me for that. <laughs> you know, right. it's like he ultimately was never a match for them. No. 
I mean, if he had just some bear spray. Just some bear spray. Because you're not going to kill him, but you're going to keep him away. Yes. That seems like totally an option. So why didn't he have bear spray? Right. So at the end of the documentary, Warner has a bunch of footage that Timothy had taken on those last few days. Mm -hmm. And they're all of unknown bears, right? And there's one bear that Timothy kind of like focuses on. And this bear is like diving over and over again for dead salmon carcasses at the bottom of the river. He's hungry. Poor bear. Yeah. He's skinny. He's a large male. He looks old. Was it that bear? He speculates that that's the bear. Remember I mentioned there was like footage of Amy... That last footage of her where she's like, there's a bear up the hill from her and she's a little bit below it Mm -hmm. and kind of ducking out of the picture. So he takes a, there's like a long piece of footage from that and, and Timothy really focuses on the bear's face and there's something really um, vacant in the bear's eyes. Like more than any other bear that Timothy took footage of, this particular bear seems to be real nature like indifference of nature it's like in it's like in the movie brave when the mom turns into a bear and then when she becomes not the mom anymore but actually a bear and the eyes just kind of change exactly like that yeah Yeah. so that she's fully a wild bear yeah but this bear in particular was starving Mm -hmm. right and so he had that look that people at the end of the episodes of alone (laughs) like when they're starving and they decide that they're just like fuck it i'm going home (laughs) Yes. That look. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bear look. When you're like, I'll eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's kind of where the documentary ends. There is, I think there's like a clip of Timothy walking away with like the um, the foxes running mm-hmm. around him. And at some point in the documentary, because it kind of goes back and forth, they do show Kathleen, Jewel, and the pilot, Willie, drove, like flew them out there, mm-hmm. went to Hallow Bay and spread his ashes. Okay. That's, yeah, nice. They're like, that's... here, you can stay here forever. This is where you want it to be. Now you're permanently here. That's kind of how they were saying. Yeah. Uh, notably, in the 85-year history of Katmai National Park, this is the first known incident of a person being killed by a bear. Well, not surprising. When you go and just put yourself right there, then Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. If you want to go swim in Lake Placid, (laughs) you're going to get eaten. You're going to get a nip someplace. Yes. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So there are some opinions, right? Uh, Oh, there's there's a variety. There's a dichotomy, Jen. There's a lot of opinions out there. I'm going to highlight the first opinion that I think is the most relevant in here, and that is of the native people's absolutely the of most that re- area that they were just like dumbass <laughs> <laughs> there's you know they interview a man who is a curator of a native history museum mm-hmm. and he says timothy disrespected the bears he crossed a line that none of us would ever cross 100 percent. and he did yes. that that's he the got, result yes he and did they can't that. believe he did it for so long and it didn't happen sooner that is surprising because how many years did he go out there? 13. Holy shite. And yeah. You, and you think about like, man, it, if he had maybe at some point taken an ecology class or something. Or talk you know, to some people. Maybe go talk to the, the native folk yes. there and just be like, hey, hey. What and should they I do? How they would have said, this? what you need to do is go far away yeah. and leave them alone. And put an electric fence around your tent, your camp and bring freaking bear spray. Well, how about 
bring some bear spray, go set up some trail cams. Yeah. And then go far away from them, leave them alone and come mm-hmm. back and check it. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. don't you work with some scientists on this? Yeah. Because there's no researcher that would want to work with that guy. No. It is a little bit disheartening that he had this amazing footage, but then he inserted himself in it. With all his bandanas. With all his bandanas. <laughs> he, just, he just clowned it up. So, so you know, poaching is not actually a big deal there. Mm-hmm. The Park Service is like, uh, actually, poaching is not an issue here. Mm-mm. We don't have that issue with bears. But Timothy felt that his biggest enemy were poachers. Oh, jeez. And he has kind of a close encounter with some guys fishing. They're on like a fishing trip and they're taking mm-hmm. photos of bears. And if they had been poachers, I think they would have killed the bear that came close to them. But they threw rocks at it and it ran away. And he was very angry that they threw rocks at this bear. Oh, my. He then claims that those guys came and stacked rocks at his camp and drew a smiley face on top of the rocks. And that they also wrote a note on a log like, see you next summer, Timothy. Like, it's kind of weird. And it's like, he's saying that they did that as a threat to his life that they were going to kill him or whatever, that it's like this weird way but to But they were just him. teasing him probably. Maybe. Or did they even do that? I mean... Well, even if they did, they were probably right. like, this guy is freaking nuts. Right. Let's mess with him. So, but he, I there weren't any like documented altercations with people, but I mean, he did have altercations with people. Well, it sounded like he didn't... He was socially awkward. Yeah. Okay. So Charlie Russell, he's a guy who studied bears, raised them... I feel like I saw something that he did once and I was like, mm. and he lived with them in Kamchatka, Russia. Mm-hmm. So he has like a bunch of Russian bears. Um, and he actually worked with Timothy at one point and he would tell Timothy, you need to carry pepper spray and you need to use electric fences around your camp mm-hmm. to deter bears. I guess after Timothy was killed, he never made a comment about it. But then when they released Grizzly Man two years later, he wrote a lengthy critique of Timothy's uh, failure to follow basic uh, safety precautions. Mm -hmm. So even though he was like really critical of that, Russell praised his devotion to the bears and his ability to, again, still be alive after 13 years until he wasn't. Yeah. It's just a miracle he made it that long, basically. Yeah. And this guy, Russell, says... If Timothy had spent those 13 years killing bears and guiding others to do the same, eventually being killed by one, he would have been remembered in Alaska with great admiration. Russell was critical of the film Grizzly Man, saying it was unfair to Treadwell. And if Polovac really was, quote, really was a protector of bears, she would have looked for a filmmaker who would have been sympathetic towards them. So I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I do on some level agree with him about the management of bears, that if he had been out there properly managing bears or doing some kind of ecological something with Mm -hmm. bears, then he would have been more respected. Absolutely. Right. Managing bears? Like in like, what do you mean? Uh, Managing as in like hunting. Okay. So he's kind of a, this quote is kind of alluding to that, Mm -hmm. that there is currently management and at the time that timothy was there there was management there's a a a legal hunt for bears okay i forget the season but it's like six percent up to six percent of bears can be taken out of the population to keep it a healthy productive. right so they don't have those starving skinny bears you know i think he's alluding to that that like oh if if timothy had been involved in the hunting of bears Mm -hmm. and the the managed hunt yeah managed hunt then people would have been respecting him for that right and I mean, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. People who hunt 
animals would have respected that. That would have have re- that would have required him to have like communicated with park service, mm-hmm. fishing game, uh, the local tri- you know, like anybody that would have required some sort of like communication and, you know, working with others and that doesn't seem like that's his yeah. cup of tea. Speaking of park service, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about his park service issues. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, there's a hunt. It allows for about 160 individuals. That's at 6% because there's about 3,000 bears in the area that Timothy was. 3,000? 3, 3,000. That's in the maze or in the sanctuary? That's in the whole, so-called. like, area, Katmai National okay, okay, Park, okay. like that area. Okay. And then over to wherever the grizzly maze is, that stuff that he okay. the grizzly maze. So the Park Service had a file on Timothy. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Um, he had at least six violations from 1994 to 2003. Those included guiding tourists without a license, camping in the same area longer than the Park Service's seven-day limit, improper food storage, wildlife harassment, and conflicts with visitors and their guides. Like I said, he refused to put up an electric fence. He didn't carry bear spray. And he had at one point carried pepper spray with him. Mm-hmm. And one time he used it on a bear. And he felt such horrible grief over the pain he caused the bear that he refused to use it and bring it with him after that. I don't know when that happened, but it must have been early on. Okay. In 1998, he got a citation for storing an ice chest filled with food inside of his tent. So if you're going to camp in like bear country, (laughs) you got to elevate your food someplace else. It has to be tied up away from you. Yes. Because they're going to look for it. They're going to look for it. So for whatever reason, he kept it inside his tent. He also had a portable generator, which was prohibited Mm -hmm. in that area. And then they imposed this new rule. And a lot of people, I guess, call it the Treadwell rule. That is requiring all campers to move their camps at least one mile, 1.6 kilometers every seven days. Right. So, so you, you shouldn't be, be. Yeah, you shouldn't stay in one spot. And I think that's like more the, than a week. Like we were talking about habituation and yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. So he initially would obey that order. But then he felt like it was too humbug to be going back and forth up and down the coast all summer. Mm hmm. Uh, so he would hide his camp from the park service in, with like heavy bush, like he would cover it and like camouflage it. And he was cited at least once for that. But it's like they knew what he was. Everyone knew what he was doing. Yes. Yeah. So Tom Smith, who is a research ecologist with the Alaska Science Center of uh, USGS, US Geological Service, he said Treadwell was, quote, Breaking every park rule that there was in terms of distance to the bears, harassing wildlife, and interfering with natural processes. Right off the bat, his personal mission was at odds with the Park Service. He had been warned repeatedly. And then this is what he said about Timothy's death. It's a tragic thing, but it's not unpredictable. Yeah, they saw that coming. Yeah. They were probably every year, they're like, we can't believe he made it out alive Mm -hmm. for another season. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they were just like, this is going to happen someday. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. It's like when Willie called them to be like, hey, man, I just circled over. They're they like, like, all oh, right. Well, it's happened. Hey, they're like, hey, Jim, you owe me, you owe me 40 bucks. <laughs> There's a <laughs> Guaranteed there was a pool. Every year. Oh, God. So, man, I think about Amy and I'm like. This is. This is where... That's the tragedy. It is, but that's, you know, she she made it. She's a grown-up. She a did. grown-ass woman. Yeah. She made the decision to stay with him 
for you know to go back with him or stay with him where she could have just been like no i am leaving or from the beginning i'm not comfortable i'm scared Mm -hmm. i'm not coming so whatever it was whatever his tactic was to convince her otherwise right she still made the decision to stay and she she was 37 or 36 and he was 42 at the time of their death okay noted so you know like how i had mentioned that he considers himself the only protector of the bears like he's the ultimate protector if you will um there's a scene in the documentary where he sets up his camera and he kind of is like hey this is the close of the season i don't know what season it's from um he's just kind of like ending his thing and then all of a sudden he starts to go off on the park service Werner actually mutes that part of the video and he's like it's just like you can see him ranting on there but there's no sound coming from Timothy it's just the voiceover of Werner saying like hey we're not going to cross the line with the park service like we're respecting the work that they do right and then Herzog actually kind of finishes that part saying like you know Timothy's real enemy wasn't the poachers it wasn't the park service it was civilization yes Absolutely. Can yeah. we get to the personality disorder yet? We're there. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh my God. You're like, you know, one of my, like my good mind. friends um, since growing up, and I, I mentioned her in another episode, mm-hmm. but she's now um, a counselor. She's a therapist. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I love to talk personality disorders with oh, it's her. Great. It's great. So hopefully she'll listen and she'll love this. So I'm going to recommend that everyone go see this YouTube video. I'm going to put it in the references on the website. Uh, it's Dr. Todd Grand. Or Grande. He has an E at the end of his name. Oh, yeah. Like Ariana. Yeah. He recounts kind of the whole story. And then he says in there, you know, like, hey, I'm not diagnosing anybody, you know, just as a like a disclaimer. Yeah. But this is based on the footage that I've seen. And this is probable. Thank you for doing this. (laughs) Yes. Um, I would be like, thank you, sir. You've you've helped. Some of our brains. Yeah. Um, He says that uh, instead of being delusional, because a lot of people are like, this dude's delusional. Mm -hmm. He is more of a narcissist with overconfidence issues and a death wish. Oh, he threw in the death wish. He threw in the death wish. Okay. Um, He was saying he's trying to become something he was not. He -hmm. wanted people who had rejected him to admire him. And in the last few minutes of his life, he had to face the harsh reality of nature. Treadwell thought the bear would find him credible, but the word he was looking for was edible. Oh, Oh, that's good. That is great, actually. Yeah. And he he talks more in the video about That's another t-shirt. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. He talks more in the video about how, like, even his relationships with women mm-hmm. and how, you know, that clip of him talking about gay men and how, you know, how women never stay with him for very long, that it's all about that he's this good person. And, you know, it's all about kind of him and this, wow. like, a little yeah. bit of that we've, we've all met some narcissists in our life. Oh, yeah. And they are very convincing if you very, fall for it. Very for convincing. sure. Yes. So, yeah, that is what he doesn't diagnose him as, but says more than likely. I forget what it's called, but there's like five kind of things that everyone has in their personality. Mm -hmm. And it was like he had way too much confidence. Uh Um, He does say at one point, it's like he had confidence with no intelligence. That I know. But yeah. He had absolutely no cautious behavior. Yeah, he he didn't take any precautions when it came to... Being with the bears, being around them, he didn't bring the bear spray. And he almost did it in a way to be, like, admirable. Yeah. (laughs) It's a hard word to say. 
This is interesting. Yeah. There's a few people I'd like to have broken down. Their personality is broken down like that. So yeah. I can just understand the thought process. Yes. There's some people that like, you just are like, how did you, how are you, how do you life? I don't get it. Right? Yeah. That's kind of the basic story of Timothy Treadwell. I am so going to watch that documentary now. <sighs> you have to watch it again. Like, it's so good. I feel like I might have started to watch it forever ago mm -hmm. and and got knowing me i get so annoyed so quickly that mm -hmm. i'm just like i can't it's just too it i just can't watch people be there, like this there are people in that you know especially jewel and like i said the coroner whose name i forgot to write down there it's almost like they're acting a little bit mm. in it and it's a documentary so yeah. it, and, and knowing that jewel is the one who solicited it makes it even more like i think they're trying to kind of uh, frame it in a way that's like, oh, Timothy's this great guy. But in actuality, ba you know, you watch it, you and watch you it can and you're like that he's uh, very misguided and very disrespectful to wildlife. Yes. I'm sitting in my room like, oh, I'm going to rewatch Grizzly Man. Let me just like get it back in my brain. Right. I, you know, I was like, uh, let me find anything with Grizzly Man in it. And there was this other uh, movie, this other documentary, short documentary um, it was made by the Wildlife Conservation Project, and Tom Opry, Opry is mm. the filmmaker in it. Okay. And I'm like, what is this? It has, like, super low ratings. It was made in 2019, and I was like, what's the deal? It's a conservation thing. Like, why would it have low ratings? That's weird. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> so I'm like, let me watch this movie. And it's about grizzly bears. It's about bears, bear hunting. And it is the viewpoint is from the hunter's viewpoint. To some respect, it's from the native peoples of British Columbia, from their viewpoint. Right. And it is a very biased short film. Um, Olivia Opre, who is Tom's wife, and I'm probably messing mm -hmm. up the last name. She is a like pretty controversial figure. She does a lot of big game hunts all over the world. That's another episode right there. So what she does is in this in this documentary, she hires a subsistence guide to take her out to hunt bears. And, you know, we talked about this before. Subsistence living in nature. I'm all for it. Do it. You're yes. going to use every part of the bear. Use every part of the bear. If it's illegal to hunt them, mm -hmm. I, that's great. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be like, you can't kill the bears. Right. Because... They need to be managed in certain areas. Right, right, right. So she goes up to Alaska. She hires this subsistence guide who's been living there his whole life. You know, his dad was a subsistence. His whole family has been doing this all of the generations of people. Right. Whatever. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah. There is a lot of information in there. There is a park service guy and there's, I forget, there's like another wildlife biologist. They talk about how they manage the bears that five to 6% every year are taken in a harvest or hunting season. Um, and that's to keep the population healthy. So there's like good information in it. I mean, they talk a lot about bringing in income for conservation of the species, you know, like hunting, getting a hunting permit, being able to go up there, you're paying a guide who's from that local area, there's a lot of money going back into the economy. And some of that money is used for like through the park service for conservation of the species. Those things are great. Right? right. But then they say things like grizzlies have lost respect for man. They do not fear us. And that's a problem. 
Oh, no. And then they they have this whole, like, the world is made for us focus. Like, it's very man-centric, very (sighs) human-centric. Right. And and even the music that they use, you know, when they're, like, talking about the bears, it's, like, that kind of music that makes you feel... uh, suspenseful or nervous or something Mm -hmm. i don't know i I, there's parts of it i'm just like come on man well that's why the low rating (sighs) so there is in the the only thing that i kind of like about this video besides the information that the park service gives is uh they talk a lot about the benefits to local indigenous guides um as far as like there are a lot of european or like foreigners who come in and do these bear hunts that Mm -hmm. are legal bear hunts that five to six percent that they're taking right the meat and the money for those hunts go to the indigenous families because a lot of those people can't take the meat back with them. I mean, imagine you're taking 800 pounds of bear meat on the plane. No problem. <laughs> I mean, in the like CITES Act, there's all sorts of stuff they can't. They're like, ma'am, you're over your 50 pound limit. <laughs> Sorry. Just like spare. <laughs> it's just like yeah. so much like bloody meat. In right? your- <laughs> and, and the Talton people... The indigenous people use every part of the bear. And in a lot of areas, there's overpopulation of the mm-hmm. grizzlies. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when they hunt, it's like they don't want that hunting, that that opportunity to go away because they are living in a subsistence way. Right. So I get that. But I do like that they talk a lot about, hey, we don't want to kill every single grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. We want to keep their numbers lower for a healthy population and also um, for other species that are there and for people who are living in the area, like safer for those people. I definitely think they could have gotten the point across better if they just talked about management and in a more coherent, less combative way. I think there's probably other shows on grizzly bears. Maybe like Nat Geo did something. Yeah. So Andreas Keeling does uh, a show called, quote, Giant Grizzlies. So he, go. he goes up to central Alaska to look for these giant grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And he has an indigenous guide named Greg. who comes. He never says his whole name. He just calls him Greg. Why am I thinking of <laughs> <laughs> old Greg? Old Greg. <laughs> they drink Baileys out of a shoe. Yes. It's great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's kind of nice. It's like very, they do a lot of filming of the bears from very far away. Mm-hmm respectful they bring bear spray they're prepared with guns and all the things just in case right um but yeah i would write i mean i think it was made in like the 80s but it says 2019 just i mean i'm looking at the haircuts and the the clothing and i'm like are you sure that's 2019 i'm pretty sure that's the 80s but is it like when i don't know i mean i'm really taking it back yeah way back but when i was in elementary school and they would play the like it was literally on a roll of film it's like and it would be like like all this like really messed up music and then it was like grizzly bears giant grizzly bears it was like this whole like and the same announcer for everything yes yeah and we would watch this like film movie yeah i'm old yeah and then later, I mean, or else it was on the VHS when they would roll in the TV. Oh, God, I love those days. So Andreas and his guide, Craig, they're old like... Old Craig. <laughs> old Craig. They're sitting at their camp mm-hmm. and they film... <laughs> it's very funny. They film this like hunter walking up to them and he's like, I'm a hunter, you know? And then there's this weird voiceover where it's like Greg is talking to the hunter and he's saying, did you see any bears? You know, just this so... Yeah. Anyway, it's great. All right. So we should watch that one. Yeah. I think that one's the other one. one. Let's yeah. not watch the other one. 
And if you want to see some sweet fashion choices, I mean, maybe it just takes a long time for fashion whole, to get up to Alaska. This whole episode seems like a bunch of sweet fashion, fashion choices. choices. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So lots of that's sign. the story of the Grizzlies. Oh. That, well, that was, a you know, there was a lot of things that I, because I feel like I never actually watched that documentary all the way through just because, yeah, mm-hmm. I, when I get real annoyed with something, I just kind of like, you know what, I'm just, I'm good. You're like, I'm over this. I'm over it. And I wasn't, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. And, and at that time, because mm-hmm. if it came out in 2005, mm-hmm. I was definitely in starting out Peace Corps around that time. Yeah. And I didn't get back to like civilization until 2010 or 11 so i don't know i'm trying to think i know i saw bits of it but now mm-hmm. i will watch it 100 percent. Oh, please I will. do please yeah. do and i might give a little um my own little critique on our next episode just, definitely just for funsies but yeah thank you for that great story you're welcome. i'm glad you got to tell your your story that lives rent free in your head yeah i i feel bad that i didn't look up grizzly people I was just like, whatever, they're defunct. Like, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, whatever. That's what I'm here for, though. I know. I'm just here for, me, like, you know, honest. asking you questions and making... I'm like, Jen, why? And I'm like, here's... Let me help you with your research. I appreciate it. With my handy-dandy phone. Right? Yeah. So, Jen... Uh, yes. Are you ready? Uh, let's talk about emergency preparedness. Well, yeah, let's do because we have a long list going so far. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many things that you could add, but that should be there anyway, such as like common sense, common right? Sense. Yes. Um, but but I'm not going to add that because that's just, you know, that should be a given. Yeah. Or maybe some, maybe he should have stayed on the antidepressants. You know, let's yeah. talk about mental health here. I mean, this was really, Therapy. this is, this guy really needed help. The kind of personality he was, he just went out and did something totally different. But mm-hmm. a good, good therapist, we always know that's the case. But for this one in particular, I feel like he had something going with the bandanas. So I would have, I would have stuck with that for sure. That's I feel like you can never go wrong with a good bandana. That's the truth. No matter where you are it, in the wilderness, especially. Definitely. Like just some Rambo stuff going on. Get a bandana on there. Especially if you got some sort of bowl cut or mullet. That is essential. Yes. Headwear. Um, Other than that, I'm going to go with, um, and this is towards the end of your story, I'm going to go with, I'm going to bring old Greg from the Mighty Bush. Because obviously he knew that you needed to have bear spray. Yeah. And a gun. And he knew he knew how to survive. He knew about self-preservation. Yes. So I'm adding uh, old Greg in there. <laughs> Bandanas and old Greg. Yes. There it is. So I feel really confident that those are some essentials mm-hmm. that you would mm-hmm. need when you're going to a grizzly man country. Right? hmm <laughs> Yes. I love it. Those are great. Those are great. No problem at all. Um, and then I'd like to talk about uh, where you guys can donate to uh, to help out grizzlies. And in particular, uh, from this story, the Katmai uh, National Park and Reserve. So there's a group, a nonprofit. The, the Katmai Conservancy at katmaiconservancy.org is the proud official nonprofit partner of the Katmai National Park and Preserve. 
and they work to make sure that all of the public um, lands are understood and appreciated, preserved and conserved and enjoyed by all at the Katmai National Park and Preserve. Awesome. So the Katmai Conservancy works in partnership with the Katmai National Park and Preserve to support and protect Katmai. Their goal is to help the National Park Service preserve the unique that unique part of Alaska, mm-hmm. the, to provide extraordinary opportunities for visitors to experience uh, that area, and then compatible traditional uses as well, which I like that. Yeah. It's important. And then to be an active partner within the community. So I dig it. Uh, you can find them at catmyconservancy, that's all one word, dot org, K-A-T-M-A-I conservancy dot org. And we'll put their link in the information, the references, so you guys can see where you can donate if you're interested, learn more. And they have this thing called Fat Bear Winter, and they have a bear cam. Oh, see? There. Get a bear cam. Get a bear cam. Don't go out there with your nothings and just... Roll yeah. around with your bandana. And- so <laughs> the, the 2020, you guys have got to go see this. Uh, the 2020 Fat Bear Fat Bear Week winner, number 747. <laughs> Sorry, it's a number. That Well, I mean, I'm just in all, like, yeah, yeah, usually yeah, yeah, yeah. they are numbers. Yeah. But I think when you're following like a family of yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. Well, yeah. no, it can be. And you're raising number or raising a... Uh, Raising awareness, aware, not raising, uh, raising funds, right? Yes. To adopt or follow an animal, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so this one, oh, I guess they named him Chunk. There you go, <laughs> because people, yeah, I'm that gonna, draws. It's for outreach. I'm Megan. show you this picture. <laughs> That's a big ass bear. That looks like, if, and I'm sorry to say this, if Saber, but were it looks a bear. like your dog from behind. <laughs> And mine. It looks like Goldie. I know. Like those rolls. <laughs> the rolls. Oh. oh my God. I love him. I love him so much. It makes I love that they money. call him Chunk. It makes me think of the Goonies. Yeah. Chunk. Mm-hmm. Look at him. So fat. We'll post a picture of him. But yeah, so uh, they have like a whole, they have like a whole bracket. There's like all these different bears that you can vote uh, to get, you know, figure out who's the fat bear. That's awesome. I guess of the week. I don't know. So great. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good cause to uh, support there. Sponsor of mm-hmm. or, you know, support some fat bears. Some fat bear asses. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for the story, Megan. Yeah, no problem. Um, I feel like next week I'm going to switch it up. Sweet. We're not going to be talking about... Um, people getting eaten? People with, um, you know that just really need therapy but end up doing crazy stuff with animals it's yeah true. we're not going to talk about that next week it's true that has we'll kind take of a break been yeah. a two-week theme it has been and mm-hmm. so we're gonna take a break from that and i'll tell a whole different story sweet so until then i guess we need to talk about our contest oh our contest yes and giveaways yes, jen mostly it's we want to give you a don't die out there sticker it's so good we want to just send it to you for free, and all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. subscribe, rate, and review, yes. and share with a friend. It's so easy. It's so easy. Super easy. And you can turn in that review to us. So you can do it one of three ways. 
there's a form on our website that you can fill out and you can just let us know what your nickname is on iTunes so we can match it up with a review Mm -hmm. and we're going to send you a sticker. We're going to ask you for uh, obviously your mailing address so we can send it to you. Um, And then you can also tag us in a post of your screenshot of your review for us Mm -hmm. on Instagram. So make sure you post that review on Instagram and tag us in the post. We'll We'll DM you for your address. Privately. Yeah. All privacy here. Like we're not going to share any information um no one will know we just want to get you the sticker that's right and then the third way is to just email us directly at you're gonna die out there at gmail.com mm-hmm. uh, to just send us a screenshot and your address and we'll mail on that sticker to you it'll be a sweet sweet sticker that you can put on your water bottle or the back of your car if you're a car sticker person if you're a car sticker person you can put it on your laptop yeah. You can put it on a suitcase for all your travel. You can put it on your emergency preparedness kit. Absolutely. Or you could put it inside an envelope, inside a box that you keep all your stickers in, just like me. Until you get that, <laughs> you get ready to have that sticker car That's when right. you're like the old cat lady. Oh, it's going to happen. And you're going to have all the stickers. The other thing is that this will automatically enter you into a contest to win some sweet merch. Yes. And we're talking a hoodie, a t shirt, and a tote what you will win one of those things yes and they are exclusively designed by us we're amazing so designers so they're super cool yeah and you want of one of course and that's an organic tote by the way <laughs> that's, that's really funny. important to be organic it is non-gmo tote exactly so <laughs> this is going to go till the end of march so march 31st is when this ends yes. so get her done and all of this is just so we can kind of build up some support and try to build our podcast a little more and you're Mm -hmm. just helping us out so we appreciate it and we love you so much for it we do so thank you we do yeah until then check us wherever there's podcasts and wherever you stream your podcasts and check out our website you're gonna die out there.com i think you have everything you need to know yeah so until then don't die out there bye bye